أعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين الحمد لله الذي هدانا لهذا وما كنا لنهتدي لولا أن هدانا الله والصلاة والسلام على أشرف الأنبياء والمرسلين وعلى أهل بيته الطيبين الطاهرين المعصومين أما بعد فقال الله سبحانه وتعالى في كتابه المجيد وفرقانه الحميد وقوله الحق بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم ألف لام را تلك آيات الكتاب المبين إنا أنزلناه قرآنا عربيا لعلكم تعقلون نحن نقص عليك أحسن القصص بما أوحينا إليك هذا القرآن وإن كنت من قبله لمن الغافلين إذ قال يوسف لأبيه يا أبت إني رأيت أحد عشر كوكبا والشمس والقمر رأيتهم لي ساجدين قال يا بني لا تقصص رؤياك على إخوتك فيكيد لك كيدا إن الشيطان للإنسان عدو مبين آمن بالله صدق الله العلي العظيم Awaited Savior of Humanity, Imam Al-Mahdi alayhi salam my respected brothers and sisters, Assalamu alaikum jami'an wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Welcome to our 13th session in our series looking at the Maqasid al-Sur, the goals and the themes of each chapter of the Holy Quran. In the last couple of sessions prior to the break over Shahr Ramadan, we looked at the themes of Surah At-Tawbah, chapter number 9 of the Qur'an, chapter number 10 of the Qur'an, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala talks to us in Surah Yunus, chapter number 11 of the Qur'an, Surah Hud. And if you recall, what we stated about these chapters was that chapter number 9, Surah At-Tawbah, not only spoke to the Arab antagonizers, from Mecca and Medina, but it also spoke to the hypocrites and it also spoke to the international communities in terms of those who were abroad in Persia and in the Roman empires and was the last surah to be revealed, which means it was very much an outgoing message preparing the Muslim community for the death of the Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa alihi wasallam and tying up loose ends that the Prophet had to deal with those three different groups of people. Chapter number 10, Surah Yunus, you'll recall, speaks about different Prophets, particularly, for example, about Prophet Nuh alayhi salam, speaks about Prophet Yunus alayhi salam, and others, where these particular Prophets, those Prophet Musa alayhi salam, actually prayed to Allah to destroy their own peoples. However, of course, there have been prophets who have not prayed for their own people to be destroyed. For example, Prophet Ibrahim salam, and our Prophet Muhammad And so there is this compare and contrast that is made in Surah Yunus, 
This is one of the major themes in chapter number 10. Chapter number 11, where we stopped prior to the break of Shahra Ramadan, you'll recall that we spoke about the central verse of Surah Hud. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentions, Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim, Fastaqim kama umirta. Be upstanding as you have been commanded to be. And so this verse and the whole surah weighed so heavily on the Prophet that he was supposed to continue on in his mission and his movement despite the trials and tribulations. The famous hadith says, Shayyibatni Surat Hud. Surat Hud turned my hair grey. The Prophet stated. Tonight, inshallah, we continue on in our series, looking at the themes, the goals of Surat Yusuf, in order to be able to understand how Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wants us to be able to read this particular surah. Now, again, it is good like we do every week, but we also want everyone to, their minds to be ticking over. I'm sure you're going to know what I'm going to ask you. We have been speaking about four primary ways in which we ascertain the maqsad or the maqasid of a surah. We also added two others over these last few sessions. Can you please kindly remind us all, write in the comment sections, what are the four main and the additional tools that you and I use in order to be able to understand what the theme of a particular surah is. We'll wait. I know many of you are eager to to write in your answers. And we often do this because we know sometimes there may be new um, attendees to the class. And also it's good to refresh our memory because whenever you're reading a chapter of the Quran, you can immediately pull these different techniques for yourself. So we have some answers from Sister Fatima. Number one, we have the beginning and the end of a surah. Ahsant. We have the fawatih and the khawatim, the beginnings and the endings of the surahs, which provides us coherent speech, how Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala opens the surah and closes the surah. Sister Fatima has also mentioned the title of the surah. Excellent. So these are two. What are the other ways that we ascertain the themes of a surah? Ahsant, Sister Fatima, we break down the chunks of the verses and we're able to see sub-themes, groups of verses, and we can put these together in order to ascertain the overriding themes that are mentioned. Excellent Sister Siddiqa, she has mentioned the period of revelation. Now, tonight, the period of revelation is going to play a specific role. In fact, arguably, the opening and the closing of Surat Yusuf, obviously the title of Surat Yusuf, but opening and closing of Surat Yusuf gives one specific theme. And the year in which Surat Yusuf was revealed gives us an entirely different theme, which is very important for you and I to be able to understand. Ahsant, we also have a hadith about the surah. This gives us an indication. We get told there is thawab of a surah for reciting it. The thawab and the ahadith relate to the surah. Wonderful. We will use that as well. Ahsan, Sister Fatima Zaidi has added the fifth is the previous surah leads into the next surah. Brilliant. So 
what we learn is that just like there's coherence in the surah, there is also coherence between the surahs. And so you will always find the closing of the previous surah has a direct link to the subsequent surah. And uh, my father has also mentioned that as well. Ahsan, to the end of a surah, introduces the next, wonderful. And Sister Fatima has mentioned the sixth, is that what there is is always a spine of verses. You will always find that there are central verses. And like a spine, you will see that that spine is going down the middle of the surah. And of course, like bones, you will find that you have a difference between the usul and the furu'ah. You have the principles and then you have the branches that go out into that surah. Wonderful. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala bless you all. Those are the six tools that we have spoken about in order to be able to ascertain the maqsad of the surah. Let us begin inshallah. At home, we all together recite a loud salawat ala Muhammad wa Ali Muhammad. Allahumma salli ala Muhammad wa Ali Muhammad wa ajjil farajuhum. Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. Surah Yusuf. I don't think that there is any doubt as to the title of this particular chapter. As we know, it is about the Prophet Yusuf salam, And for the vast majority of the entirety of the surah, maybe only around 10 or so verses are not directly related to Prophet Yusuf salam. The rest, the vast majority is related to Prophet Yusuf alayhi salam. Even at the beginning of his commentary, Ayatollah Sayyid Muhammad Taqi al-Mudarrasi mentions that there's no space for doubt as to what the name of this surah is or what this surah is referring to. Now, according to certain uh, narrations, this surah was revealed all at once. As you know, the majority of large surahs are revealed piecemeal. We might have 10 verses, we might have one verse, we might even have half a verse. And of course, these are then brought together as the early Muslims would recite an entire surah in Salah and so on, and they would write down and so on. These were made to be the surahs themselves. Surah Yusuf, the entirety was revealed at one time. According to one narration, it was asked about uh, the Prophet the story of Yusuf and Prophet did not reply until he received the entirety of the surah. This is one. I also came across a Sunni scholar, may Allah bless him. He stated, and I haven't found this in Shi'i books, maybe it is there. I myself were, was unable to, to see this. He mentions that some of the companions were complaining that surahs were only revealed piecemeal. As you know, in the Quran itself, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentions that Allah reveals verses in order to uh, strengthen the hearts of people. He reveals it in such a way whereby it is going to be revealed not all at once. Chapter 25, Surah Al-Furqan Verse number 32. Bismillahir Rahmanir Rahim. Waqala Ladina Kafaru Lola Nuzila Alihil Quranu Jumlatan Wahida Kadalika Linothabita Bihi Fuadak Waratal Nahu Taratila. And those who disbelieve say, 
Why has not the Quran been revealed all at once to the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wa Allah subhanahu wa taala says we reveal it piecemeal over time and space so that it may strengthen your heart by it, and we have arranged it in a well arranged order. So, according to one scholar, some of the companions said we want a Quran like the Bible, narrative form. Easier to read, one story from start to finish. And as a response, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala revealed Surat Yusuf. As I stated, I personally have not yet come across that in terms of the Asbab and Nuzul, in terms of the Shi'i school of thought, maybe it is there. The most popular narration is that it was a question that was brought to the Prophet about Prophet Yusuf he waited and the whole surah was revealed all at once. This is in regards to the name of the surah. Let us have a look at the ahadith and then inshallah we will come to the beginning and the end and this will give us one whole understanding of the maqsad and then we will look at which year this was revealed in and we will see a whole different maqsad altogether and the contrast between these two are amazing and I really enjoyed preparing and reflecting on this particular surah based on a compare and contrast of the two different potential maqasid that could be present at that time. The fadl of the surah. Let's have a read uh, about the ahadith. قَالَ النَّبِيُّ Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa alihi The Holy Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa alihi is narrated to have said the following. عَلِّمُوا أَرِقَّاءَكُمْ سُورَةُ يُوسُفَ فَإِنَّهُ أَيُّمَا مُسْلِمٍ تَلَاهَا وَعَلَّمَهَا أَهْلَهُ وَمَا مَلَكَتْ يَمِينُهُ هَوَّنَ اللَّهُ تَعَالَى عَلَيْهِ سَكَرَاتِ الْمَوْتِ وَأَعْطَاهُ الْقُوَّةَ أَنْ لَا يَحْسُدَ مُسْلِمًا the first hadith that you should learn Surat Yusuf for in it whoever of the Muslims recite this surah and teaches it to his family and teaches it to his servants Allah will make the Sakarat al-Mawt tranquil for him we're all very fearful of Sakarat al-Mawt we know the trials of Sakarat al Mawt. If you want your ease, Hawwan Allahu Ta'ala alayhi Sakarat al Mawt. If you want tranquility at the time of death, read Surah or learn, sorry, not read, learn Surat Yusuf. Read it, teach it to your family members and even those who are your servants, your workers. Of course, you can understand today, it doesn't necessarily limit it only to your servants we don't have it necessarily in that way and Allah would give you the power the strength not to become jealous of any other Muslim now this is interesting because as you know sometimes people have different um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for spiritual deficits weaknesses within themselves and maybe a person has to overcome this particular deficit of being envious of a friend or a family member and so on as per 
the story of the brothers of Yusuf alayhi salam. They were also jealous of Yusuf alayhi salam. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala would reward you the capacity to overcome that, inshaAllah. Second hadith, an Abi Abdullah alayhi salam, the sixth Imam as Sadiq alayhi salam said, Man qara'a surata Yusufa fi kulli yawmin aw fi kulli laylatin ba'athahullahu yawm al qiyamati wa jamaluhu. Mithlu Jamali Yusufa alayhi salam. Whoever recites Surat Yusuf every day or every night, Allah would raise for him on the day of judgment, raise him on the day of judgment, beautiful like the beauty of Prophet Yusuf alayhi salam. Wala yusibuhu faza'un yawm al qiyamah. And Allah would not pour down upon him the frights. He would not give to him the frights, the dreads of the Day of Judgment. And he would be amongst the khiyar, the, the, you know, the elite of the servants, the good servants of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, insha'Allah. So these are two narrations about the thawab or the fadl of the surah itself. There is a third hadith that is mentioned and it's mentioned in our earliest of texts al-kafi and it is mentioned that amir al-mu'mineen alayhi salam said the following now i will mention the hadith because it's there and the fuqaha the ulama mention it and a person can agree disagree we can debate the veracity of this hadith based on the matan itself based on the text itself we won't have time for that i'm clearly prefacing to you there is an ishqal here but you can think about it for yourself. An Amir al-Mu'mineen alayhi salam. Our first Imam said, Qala, La tu'allimu nisa'akum surat Yusuf. Do not teach surat Yusuf to your women. Wala tuqri'u hunna iyaha. And do not recite it to them. Fa'inna fiha al-fitna. For in it is a fitna. A trial, a test, a difficulty, and so on. وَعَلِّمُهُنَّ سُورَةَ النُّورِ فَإِنَّ فِيهَا الْمُوَاعِذِ But teach them Surah Nur, chapter 24 of the Qur'an. For in it is a mawa'idh. It's an admonition. It's a warning. It's a lesson for them to be able to learn. And as you know, in Surah An-Nur, which we will come to inshallah in a few weeks time, Allah allows us tawfiq, we will see the uh, themes of Surah An-Nur. It speaks very much about the issue of hijab. Probably the central features of Surah An-Nur are family units and issues to do with hijab and zina and other such matters. You can take from this hadith what you will inshallah. So this is the second issue. The third issue that we should talk about is the uh, opening and the closing of the surah. Now this will actually bring us one of the main themes of the surah itself, which we will delve into now, inshallah. In some occasions, I, I try to allow you and I to think about the themes and tell you at the end, or I ask you your opinion. Some occasions I tell you that when we take this class, I need to tell you the theme in advance so that as I read the verses, I'm able to go back to it. On this occasion, I will have to tell you the themes first of the surah and then you'll be able to read some of the points into it inshallah. Let's have a look at the opening and closing verses inshallah. Now, 
after we read the opening and closing verses, I'm going to go into Surat Hud, and you will see how the ending of Surat Hud leads into the opening of Surat Yusuf, alayhi As we stated, this was the fifth way of us being able to determine the Maqasid al-Surah. Open your Qur'ans, inshallah, make sure that you have the opening verses of Surat Yusuf, we can recite it together. Bismillahirrahmanirrahim, Alif Lam Ra. Tilka ayatul kitabil mubin. Alif Lam Ra, these are the verses of the book which make things manifest. Clearly this is important. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says these are the verses, Allah wants you to know these are things that are going to be mubin for you, clear, manifest. No, no way you can misunderstand what is being said. Surely we revealed it in Arabic Quran that you may understand. Now, of course, you and I may not be um, uh, Arab speakers or we may not have it as our first or second language. Of course, at Revelation's point, it was the primary language, which means to them, again, Allah is saying, that there is not any way you can misunderstand what I'm about to tell you. It is in your language. Qur'anan Arabiyan la'allakum. Why? So that you can ta'qilun. You can understand what's being said. Nahnu naqussu alayka ahsan al-qasas. We narrate to you the very best of stories. Bima awhayna ilayka hadha al-Qur'an. By our revealing to you this Qur'an, وَإِن كُنْتَ مِنْ قَبْلِهِ لَمِنَ الْغَافِلِينَ Before this, you certainly were one of those who would not know. Now the word غَافِلِينَ in the Qur'an is mentioned on a number of occasions and when you actually studied the word غَفْلَ in the Qur'an and you bring all the verses together, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala sometimes states a person who is غَافِل is sometimes the person who knows the truth but ignores it. Another time, it's a person whom the truth has not reached to them. And so they are ignorant about the realities of this. Help me to think about this. If we stated that the reason for revelation was a question to the Prophet ﷺ, Ya Rasulullah, tell us about Yusuf ﷺ, and then he waited, and then the revelation came, the whole surah came at once, what does the word ghafilin here mean in the context of Surah Yusuf? Does it mean that they were unaware of Surah Yusuf or Yusuf, sorry? No, they were aware of Yusuf. But either the details they didn't know or the story of Yusuf had become contrived, had become falsified over a period of time. And that's the meaning that we're going to explore in a minute, inshallah. Now, it's interesting because this context of, of being ghafil is something that's going to come up in Surah Hud as we come to it in a minute, insha'Allah. Turn to the end of the surah. And you will see Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentions in verses uh, 109 and 111. Now, you will see here Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentions in verse 109. Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. وَمَا أَرْسَلْنَا مِنْ قَبْلِكَ إِلَّا رِجَالًا نُوحِي إِلَيْهِمْ مِنْ أَهْلِ الْقُرَى And we have not sent before you except men from amongst the people of the towns to whom we sent revelations to. Now this is interesting and we'll come back to this in a few minutes inshallah. But here 
you'll remember that those who were sent revelations, they were from the very nations, the peoples, the city-states that the Arabs knew themselves. Mecca, Syria, what we would call today the Levant, Transjordania, all the way to Egypt. And so they were from the people of their own towns, which the Arabs knew about these prophetic individuals. Verse number 111. In their stories, there are certainly lessons for people of understanding. It is not a narrative which could be forged, but a verification of what is before it and a distinct explanation of all things and a guide and a mercy to a people who believe. Okay, now, at one level, the opening and the closing is telling us what? About the stories of these revelations. Now, as you know, when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala reveals these stories in the Quran, these stories are not ordinary stories. That's obvious. We know that. I mean, this is an elementary point for uh, you and I. When it comes to these stories in the Quran and in Revelation, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wishes to be able to show us that these are capturing true stories and not stories that are fictitious or created by the minds of people. Rather, they are not contrived because they are divinely constructed. They are divine stories or divine individuals. Nor can they ever be abolished, nor can they truly be forgotten. Rather, they point to the external reality that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is going to protect these stories of these prophets and perpetuate these stories of these prophets. Now, in this particular verse, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentions in verse 111, Ibra is a lesson. Abara is a bridge that you use to cross. Normally you cross water over that bridge. But it's a bridge, meaning that you go from one place to another. Meaning when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentions about these stories, which are true stories, stories that cannot be abolished and abrogated over time because Allah protects them and perpetuates them, but they are lessons in these stories. They take you from one place of understanding to another place of understanding. They are a bridge from here to there. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wishes to be able to tell us. Now, Ayatollah uh, Sayyid Muhammad Taqi al-Mudarrisi, may Allah bless him, in his tafsir, he mentions the following point. He says, the human being is unaware, he is ghafil of the message of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and the basair, the insights that exist within these messages until, hatta, until Allah actually reveals and excites the mind. He, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala challenges the mind through the revelation of these stories, the goal of which is to push people towards deep thinking and the usage of their aqal. This is an expansion on لَقَدْ كَانَ فِي قَصَصِهِمْ عِبْرَةٌ لِأُولِي الْأَلْبَابِ And so the Qur'an 
benefits through attractive and true historical stories in order to help the human perceptions of the realities of the lessons which Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wishes to be able to tell us. This is the statement of Ayatollah al-Mudarrisi. Now, this of course I think you know. I don't think any of this is going to be new information to you. However, what is possibly going to be very new and very deep for you is the following. The Abrahamic faiths, the Jews, Christians and Muslims. Now, I don't believe that there is such a thing as Abrahamic faiths. There's not different faiths. There is only one religion and then people have distorted it and named it their own things. But when I say Abrahamic faiths, you know what I'm referring to. As you know, each of the Abrahamic faiths deeply hold on to the story of Prophet Yusuf alayhi salam. But you might not know why they hold on to the story of Yusuf alayhi salam so importantly. And this is important to the story of Yusuf. The lineage of Yusuf alayhi salam is very important here. You may not know the lineage. Go back and think about it for a second. Who is the father of Yusuf alayhi salam? I hope everybody knows it, right? Ya'qub alayhi salam. Who is the father of Ya'qub alayhi salam? Ten points. Who wants to answer the question? Who can who can type for me quickly enough? Who is the father of Prophet Ya'qub alayhi salam? Everyone's trying to rack their brain, right? The answer is Prophet Ishaq. Not Ismail, Prophet Ishaq, alayhi salam. Ahsan, we've got two perfect answers, Sister Farhana and Sister Fatima, Prophet Ishaq. And who is the father of Ishaq, alayhi salam? No points for that. You all know the answer. Ahsan, we've got lots of good answers. Everyone's got it right. Well done. Thank you so much. Who is the father of Ishaq? No points. I'm sure you all know it. Ibrahim alayhi salam. So look at the lineage here. Yeah? You've got Ibrahim to Ishaq. Ishaq to Ya'qub. Ya'qub to Yusuf. Now what's the other name for Ya'qub? Salamullahi alayhi. The other name is Israel. So all the Israelite prophets come from this lineage. The Semitic prophets come from this lineage, right? Ibrahim, Ishaq, all the way down. And of course, the majority of prophets in the Quran are Israelite prophets, aren't they? You've got from Ishaq to Ya'qub, Yusuf, Dawood, Sulaiman, Musa and Harun, Isa, Salamullahi alayhi majma'in. They're all prophets to the Israelites. You know that, right? On the other side, on Ismail alayhi salam, you then get the prophetic lineage to Mecca, where of course our Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa was born from that lineage. So you have these two lineages going this way. Okay. Now from the Jewish perspective, why is Prophet Yusuf alayhi salam so important? As you know, our Jewish cousins, what do they call themselves? The sons of Israel. Right? They call themselves the sons of Israel. Ya'qub alayhi salam and so they are Banu Israel they are the sons the children the tribe the people of Israel 
who is the actual son of Israel? Yusuf alayhi salam. So we can see here why the Jewish community would hold on to Yusuf alayhi salam because you can see here there is such proximity. They want to be known as the sons of Israel, Banu Israel, whereas he is actually Ibn Israel. Okay. Why is Prophet Yusuf alayhi salam so important to the Christians? Now, this is important to understand in relation to this Qasasihim, Ibratun li ulil albab. The story of Yusuf alayhi salam is important to the Christians because from the Christian point of view, Paul, remember Paul from the stories of uh, Christianity, Paul was the first person to present the idea that Jesus Christ alayhi salam did not come only for the Israelites, but actually came for the whole of humanity. Let me repeat that so you understand it. All of the Israelite prophets only came for Banu Israel. They are not for the whole of humanity. The Quran says that the Prophet Muhammad is rahmatun lil alameen. He is universal. He is sent kafatan ilan nas or kafatan lin nas. He is sent to the whole of mankind in their entirety. Every other prophet, was only for the people of their time in terms of their immediate life. Of course, their stories are universal, but their life, they came to one group of people. Now, this is mentioned even in the Bible itself. This is important. Please note this down as you're writing your notes. Note this down because you need it. If you're ever talking to a Christian, if you're ever talking to a Jew, this is important. Jesus Christ, by his own words, his own admission did not come for the whole of humanity. In Matthew 15, 24, 1, 5, Matthew 15, 24, Jesus says, I was only sent for the lost sheep of Israel. Only sent. In the Quran, it says the same thing. Or not the same thing, but it says he only ever addresses Banu Israel. Ya Bani Israel. Chapter 5, verse 72. Chapter 61, verse 6. Jesus, alayhi salam, only ever addresses Banu Israel. Paul, when he established his parts of the church, wanted to make Jesus Christ for everyone. Why? So he could expand his religion. He could bring people into the fold of his religion. If you've got the Jews who are against you, and you've got the Romans who are against you, and as you know, the early Christian stories that they were massacred and fed to the lions and much much more you need people to come into your religion and make it stronger otherwise all you're doing is being killed and massacred Paul was the first person to say no no Jesus is for the whole of humanity how do you square that circle how do you change and reinterpret the Bible so flagrantly in order to deceive, until today, billions of people. How do you do it? How do you ignore a clear verse of revelation? They used Prophet Yusuf alayhi salam. You know what they said? Yusuf was based where? Who can tell me? Where was Yusuf alayhi salam based before he went to Egypt? Can anyone tell me which was the area? History buffs? Buffs of uh, a hadith? 
Any ideas? Which was the region, the area that Yusuf inhabited? Ahsant, Palestine. And he was a... Ahsant, the Canaan was the area. Canaan was the actual area. And Canaan, Ahsant, there we got the right answers. Canaan was the area of Transjordan today. Palestine, Syria, the Levant. That was the area. And then he moved to Egypt. Obviously, you know the story as to why he ended up in Egypt, which we'll come to in a few minutes time, inshallah. Now, the Christians, what did they say? In order to prove that the Israelite prophets were international figures, globalized figures, they had to find a prophet of Israel that they could point to that had traveled to other than the peoples of Israel. Who did they find? Yusuf alayhi salam. They said, look, he went to Egypt. He went to Egypt. And what happened? At that point, he managed to spread his message there. And so see, he was a universal prophet. Therefore, Jesus is a universal prophet. You know why this is important? Because the Jews and the Christians used this to say the Israelite prophets only ever come to Banu Israel. Jesus came to us. Moses came to us and so on. So when the Prophet Muhammad came not to the Israelites, but to the whole of humanity, came to the Quraysh, came to the Bedouins, spoke to the people in Jordan, spoke to the people in Iraq, spoke to the people in Yemen, spoke, spoke, spoke. They said, no, 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 he can't be a prophet. Our prophets only ever start with us. Can you see that? Do you understand? They said, our Israelite prophets came to us. This man isn't a prophet. Sallallahu alayhi wa alayhi. And so they rejected him. The Quran says, Ma'arafu kafaru bih. Surah Al-Baqarah. They did not have ma'arafu of him. Ma'arafu kafaru bih. They rejected him. Because they he didn't fit their mold of what they expected their prophets to be like. Sallallahu alayhi wa alayhi. So now Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is telling us in this particular surah, please turn now to verse 102 to verse 104. Remember, beginning of surah, end of surah. Yeah. Not only is this a story, Yusuf alayhi salam's story isn't just a story. Actually, it's going back into the truth of its story. Have a look at verse 102 to verse 104. Bismillahir Rahmanir Rahim. This is of the announcements relating to the unseen which we reveal to you. Unseen, what people don't know. What did Ayatollah Mudarisi say? He said in his statement, people don't know, they're ghafil of these matters until Allah reveals it to them and then they understand what's going on. And you were not with them. <coughs> Excuse me. When they resolved upon their affair and they were devising plans. You weren't with these people in histories. You don't know what happened in histories. You need revelation to tell you what happened with these people's histories because you misunderstand them. You miss, you abuse them. You uh, distort all of them. Continues. Verse 103. And most men will not believe Though you desire it eagerly for them to believe, now Allah states, 
about the Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa message being universal for all of mankind. What does he say? Verse 104. And you do not ask for them any reward for this. It is nothing but a reminder for the whole of mankind. Asant. Yusuf alayhi salam for his people. Musa alayhi salam for his people. Isa alayhi salam for his people. This message it is for the whole of mankind but since the time of Paul 600 years before the Prophet Muhammad the Christians misinterpreted the story of Jesus away from his own statement that this is only sent to Banu Israel and they universalized the message and as a result they distorted the message in so many different fashions this surah Surah Yusuf was responding to this particular issue. Now, if you go back to the uh, preceding surah, chapter number 11, Surah Hud, you will see Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala talks about this in different occasions. For example, if you turn to chapter uh, 11, Surah Hud, verse uh, 100, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentions the following. Bismillahir Rahmanir Rahim. ذَلِكَ مِنْ أَنْبَاءِ الْقُرَى نَقُصُّهُ عَلَيْكَ مِنْهَا قَائِمٌ وَحَسِيدٌ this is an account of the towns which we relate to you. We're relating to you these stories because you don't know them. You may have a glimpse, you may have partial understanding of them, but the reality is you don't know what has happened in these stories. Same chapter, Hud, chapter number 11, verse 120. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, Bismillahir Rahmanir Rahim, wa kullan naqussu alayka min anba'ir rusul ma nuthabbitu bihi fu'adak. Remember we stated that they complained about Yusuf uh, about uh, the stories coming piecemeal and they wanted their hearts to be strengthened. Allah responds, and all we relate to you of the accounts of the apostles is to strengthen your heart therewith. And this has come to you with truth and an admonition and a reminder to the believers. So the central theme, a central theme of Surah Yusuf is that it is a story, Qasas, which is pure, which is captured, which is um, made sure that it, it actually qualifies, guides those other um, faiths or other misunderstood faiths that have misunderstood the meanings of the story of Yusuf salam and have uh, plagiarized it in such a way that it becomes a means of distortion as opposed to a means of truth. I hope everybody has understood this as one central theme of the story of Surah Yusuf. And this is why Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala talks about stories here so often in Surah Yusuf. Sallu ala Muhammad wa Ali Muhammad. Allahumma salli ala Muhammad wa Ali Muhammad wa ajjil farajahum. Okay. Now, the second major reason for the story of Surah Yusuf is the following. And as I said, I, I think this is fascinating myself. When... Excuse me, I'm trying to get comfortable. When was Surah Yusuf revealed? Which year was it revealed? Can anyone uh, please write in the, the notes? Which year was Surah Yusuf revealed? Any ideas?
Ahsant, Sister Shehnaz. Ahsant, wonderful. Thank you for your correct answer. It was actually revealed in Am al Huzn. It was actually revealed after the death of Lady Khadija, Salamullahi alayha, and Abu Talib, Salamullahi alayhi. Ahsant, we got a lot of good answers here. Everyone's got it right. Brilliant. So this was 619 AH and just before the Hijrah. Now, think about this very carefully. If Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is going to reveal it after the death of these two giants that protected, that supported Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa whilst he's in a state of grief, what do you think the surah is going to be telling him? Now, when we go into the ahadith, or sorry, when we go into uh, the um, uh, uh, commentaries, Ayatollah Sayyid Muhammad Taqi al-Mudarasi, may Allah bless him, says the following. The Tartib al-Nuzuli. The order of revelation is that it's the 53rd surah to be revealed in order, the Tartib al-Nuzuli. But of course, as you know, in the Tartib of the Mus'haf, it is 12th. But Nazalat ba'da Surah Hud, it is revealed immediately after Surah Hud, chapter number 11 of the Quran. Chapter 11 was a what about what? What was the theme of chapter number 11? Fastaqim kama umirta. Be upstanding. Fulfill your responsibilities as you have been commanded to. So, of course, the Prophet, as we stated, bore this heavily upon his shoulders, didn't he? As we stated, he stated in the hadith, Shayyibatni Surah Hud. Surah Hud turned my hair grey. At that point, the Prophet is told, continue on, be diligent. And then what happens? Abu Talib alayhi salam dies, Lady Khadija alayhi salam dies, and in order to help the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa alayhi, comfort him, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala reveals Surah Yusuf. What's in Surah Yusuf? Number one, you have a loving father, Ya'qub, over Yusuf. Number one. Number two, you also have the story of the family of Yusuf that have envy and hatred and try to kill and dispel Yusuf alayhi salam. Abu Talib alayhi salam was like the loving father. Salamullahi alayhi, salamullahi alayhi. Abu Talib was like the loving father of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa alayhi. And of course there is separation between these two. The family of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa alayhi, his own tribe who you would imagine would know the Prophet best, they rejected him. They tried to kill him. They tried to expel him. Just like the brothers of Yusuf sallallahu alayhi the Prophet ﷺ was given the best of women, Lady Khadija And of course, you can see here how Zulaikha gave many troubles for Yusuf. And so the Prophet is being shown the, or appreciating the gratitude that he had for Lady Khadija by remembering the stories of those past Prophets and the challenges that they had in regards to women and their own around them. Eventually, this is very important, eventually, what position did Yusuf alayhi salam take? 
He took a position of authority, didn't he? Position of leadership, didn't he? And his own family members had to come to him. Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa alayhi did what? He also became the head of state. Political authority. Created a civilization underneath him. Like Yusuf alayhi salam did in Egypt. And just the way the family members of Yusuf alayhi salam had to come to him. Seek forgiveness for what they did. You will remember what happened in Mecca. And when Yusuf alayhi salam saw his own family members. Was he arrogant towards them? Was he oppressive towards them? No. He was merciful towards them. He was kind towards them. He did things to help them get the best out of them in their circumstance. The Prophet ﷺ, when he gained power and he did Fath Makkah, for example, look at the way in which he treated the very same people who treated him so badly. I hope you're seeing the pattern here. So what's being said to the Prophet Muhammad by Allah in this story, it is a promise. It's a promise that what happened to Yusuf you will understand that in your own ways will occur to you as well. You will be expelled. They will try to kill you. And you remember Imam Ali slept in the bed of Rasulullah on the night of his Hijrah. They will try to kill you as well, your own family members. You will be expelled. You will raise yourself to being the leader of that community. And you will see that you will have victory over them. And you will also have the mercy that Yusuf had over his same family members. Khair, inshallah. Let's have a look and speak about some of these points and appreciate how Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gives to us this. Now, what here you can find is in the story of Prophet Yusuf the different stages of his life. You can see from a child, a youth, all the way up to when he changes, uh, when he becomes the, um, when he becomes in authority before the Aziz. So you can see here family situation, the personal situation, his circumstances, the tests that were thrown upon him. You can see here the various desires that afflict man and woman. And those include the envies, the lusts, the griefs that occurred. But also the irada and the faith that needed to come out from Yusuf alayhi salam. And so you actually have an intimate history of a prophet like no other in the Holy Quran. A whole chapter dedicated like this. Similar, you also have Nuh and Musa. But this is very, very unique in having such a life story. So all of this is mentioned as part and parcel of the story of Yusuf alayhi salam. Okay. Verses 1 to 3. Let's now break down the chunks of the verses and relate it back to not only the story of Yusuf alayhi salam at the time of revelation to the Muslims, but also how it reflected to the Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa and gave him strength. Gave him an insight into his own future and a promise from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala into the future of the Prophet. Verses 1 to 3 speak about this being Ahsan al Qasas, being the best of stories. Verses 4 to 7, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala now teaches the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa alayhi about how he needs to think about 
how he delivers his message strategically. Ya'qub tells Yusuf, La ala ikhwatika. Do not relate your vision, your dream to your own brothers. Why? Because of their jealousy, their envy, most surely Satan is going to inspire and enliven their jealousies. In verse 6, look at this in verse 6, inshallah. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says something very important. Allah wa yu'allimuka min ta'wilil ahadith. Allah will teach you, O Yusuf alayhi salam, the meaning, the interpretation of these dreams. Now, you know, if Yusuf alayhi salam has the ta'wil of these dreams, can you imagine what the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa had the ta'wil of? The entirety of the universe. وَيُتِمُّ نِعْمَتَهُ And Allah wishes to make His favor complete upon you. I'm sure you all know when this statement is said again to the Prophet Which event? The day of Ghadir. Allah says, الْيَوْمَ أَكْمَلْتُ لَكُمْ دِينَكُمْ وَنِعْمَتِي عَلَيْكَ And He has completed His favor upon you. So this is something that gave strength to the Prophet that Allah is telling him in the future, you will have your favor, my favor completed upon you. Verses 8 to 18 actually speaks now about the extent of the deception that the family, the brothers of Yusuf would go, would do in order to destroy Yusuf The family jealousy, and how much deception they would use upon their own family members to destroy Yusuf And again, this gave peace, tranquility to the heart of the Prophet because he remembers in the previous stories what the family members of previous Prophets did to other Prophets. Now, do you remember in the Ahadith of the Fadl al-Surah, the, 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 the Thawab of the Surah, we, we stated that the person who recites Surah Yusuf daily, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala would give what reward? وَلَا يُصِيبُهُ فَزَعٌ يَوْمَ الْقِيَامَةِ You would not have any fright and any dread on the Day of Judgment. Well, also, if you teach Surah Yusuf, what would happen? هَوَّنَ اللَّهُ تَعَالَى عَلَيْهِ سَكَرَاتِ الْمَوْتِ you would have tranquility during Sakarat al Maut. So here in verses 8 to 18, the Prophet was given this, this um, uh, tranquility in his heart because he understood that this was not only happening to him, this happened to other Prophets. And the extent of what they did to Yusuf would also be like the extent of what they attacked with the Prophet. But of course, as you know, what they did to the Prophet ﷺ was worse than all of the other Prophets combined. Verse number 19 to verse number 22, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala shows in this story, or this part of the story, Allah's hand in the guidance of the Prophets. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentions in verse 21, you will see, وَكَذَلِكَ مَكَّنَّا لِيُوسُفَ فِي الْأَرْضِ 
And thus we established Yusuf in the land. And you'll remember, of course, that he's thrown into the well, that uh, a, a group pick him up, travelers picked him up and then hid him and then sold him for a small price and so on and so forth. Allah is stating here, I can use the most innocuous, the most innocuous of events in order to establish a prophet. Who else did he do this with? Musa alayhi salam. Musa alayhi salam by stealth, by stealth, was put into the house of Fir'aun. In the same way, for the story of Yusuf alayhi salam to unfold, Allah says, وَكَذَلِكَ مَكَّنَّا لِيُوسُفَ We did it. Allah did it. Allah established Yusuf alayhi salam. In the same way, Ya Rasulullah, the events that are going to unfold in front of you, as hard as they are for you to bear, this will actually be how we establish you in the land. How we make you successful in the land, your mission and your preaching. Verses 23 to verse 29 is the story of Zulaikha and her attempt uh, to make Yusuf turn towards her. Now what's interesting here is that from the story of Yusuf itself, forget We'll come in a minute to the story of the Prophet and these two different maqasid that are working parallel at one time with each other. What is very interesting to you and I is that Zulaikha is a work in progress. How she started and where she got to and then also how she actually fell foul again of her desires. She's a work in progress. At one moment, as you know, she grabs for Yusuf. After that, she actually admits her fault. And to the extent that the Aziz says, seek forgiveness for what you have done. In verse 32, she says, This is he with whom you uh, blame me. But he abstained. 